Um, so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 29. I know Stan last week said it's, that it, it was his privilege to wrap up the, the Psalm series, but he, did, he didn't know that he's actually not allowed to do that. Um, only the pastor may officially wrap up a series, right? I'm kidding. If, if you're new, you'll get my humor after a while. But Psalm 29, um, I, 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 I wanted to get in on this summer in the Psalms. And so uh, next week we'll do kind of a, a mission and vision, you know, where are we going as a church? And then we'll be back in the book of 1 Corinthians. But yeah, please turn to Psalm 29 if you have a Bible. And we want to spend uh, the next few minutes um, in it together. Um, Psalm 29 is interesting because I think it helps ask and, and, and answer the question, well, what exactly is our view of um, the God that we serve, the God that we believe in? What is our view of him? Um, being a pastor, I get to have all sorts of conversations with people, and you probably do too if you're a follower of Jesus, just about people's, people's view of what God is like. Um, and I've, I've had really interesting ones that I'm like, really, that's what you view God as? Ooh, I don't know about that. And then I've had ones where um, they're not necessarily wrong, they're just not fully right, if you get what I mean. Like, so I, I, I had a conversation with a guy a, a long time ago, and he said, you know, God is just so holy and so awesome and so mighty and so powerful that we human beings, we just still, we still, even with Jesus, we, we can't approach God. He's just too big. And so I kind of like probed a little bit, and he, and he said, no, I think as human beings, until the end comes, you and I cannot even approach God. Even with the death of Jesus and what that all accomplished, I mean, just God is just too big and too powerful. So you get what I mean? He's not wrong. God is big, and God is powerful, and he is mighty. But the idea that we just, we are, God is unapproachable now, I just went, I just don't think you're fully right. Now, on the flip side, I had a conversation years ago with a guy who, who probably had the, the, the opposite problem of that. For him, I don't know if you've seen those, those shirts. They're not as popular anymore, or the hats that said, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. I don't know if you remember that. There was this phase of like, me and Jesus, we're just buddies, and you know, I give Jesus a noogie, and we're best friends. And, and there was almost this like God being majestic and powerful and mighty. No, he's just my buddy right, and daddy God, and he's just so close, and, and so I go, well, you're not wrong. God is near, but I just don't think you're fully right. There's no, there's no awe or reverence at how big our God is. Now, Psalm 29, I think, shows us two things about God. So my goal this morning, just two big ideas that I think help kind of round out our view of who God is. Number one is the, the bigness of our God. I think Psalm 29 shows us that. And then number two, the, the nearness of our God. And I, I want to explain, hopefully, why you as a follower of Jesus, you need both sides of that to properly view and approach God. So Psalm 29, starting in verse 1. Um, this is what it says. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. 
So three times in these first two uh, verses, David, who wrote this psalm, he's saying, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord. And the Hebrew word for uh, ascribe, it's this idea of giving, to give something, right? We don't use that kind of word in everyday language all the time, but the Hebrew means that I'm giving something, I'm ascribing something to God. And so uh, David starts by saying, well, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, these angels or spiritual creatures, ascribe, give the Lord glory. Give the Lord glory that's due his name. Worship God in the splendor of holiness. Another way to view uh, ascribing, because when we ascribe strength to God, don't get it wrong where we're giving strength to God. Ascribing can also mean we're just acknowledging that these things are true about God. We're giving him glory and we're saying, God, you have strength. I'm ascribing that to you. I'm acknowledging that it's, it's actually true. And so David starts by just saying that God is worthy of us ascribing glory and strength and honor and power to him. But naturally, I think a good question is, well, why? Why should we ascribe these things? Uh, and if, if you think of in, in the context of the day and age when David writes this, he's talking about Yahweh, the God of Israel. Why not Baal? Why not Asherah? Why not Molech? Why not all the gods of the other nations? Why are we told specifically Give glory and glory alone to Yahweh, the God of Israel. Even uh, God himself tells the Israelites, you're, you're not going to worship any other gods. And a good question will be, well, why? Why not? Why should we ascribe to you and you alone? Um, fast forward to our day. Why not? Why not, Buddha? Why shouldn't I ascribe glory to Allah or whatever, whatever else you worship, Right? money or your self-image or whatever it is. Why? Why? Why does it seem that David is saying, no, 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 ascribe to the Lord only? Well, well, why? Why should we? So verse 3 to 10 now, David is going to describe for us the bigness, the majesty, the power, the might, the glory of God. And why our knees should shake in his presence and we should ascribe glory to him. And it's amazing because David uses uh, like a, a metaphor almost comparing the voice of God to a thunderstorm. So as I read, I, I want you just to picture, I, I've, I heard from people that we had a few pretty big uh, thunderstorms here. Just picture a thunderstorm. As David describes and makes this comparison between the voice of our God and a, a thunderstorm. Verse 3, he says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Now, you have to imagine, like, this is in the Middle East, and... Uh, we don't know for sure because David doesn't tell us, but maybe he's looking out over the Mediterranean. And I, I know that probably many of you have seen when a storm starts over the waters. Uh, and, and you can just kind of see the billowing clouds. And maybe you hear the, the distant thunder, 
But you have to imagine that there's this thunderstorm that is now over the waters and you're hearing it thunder and the rumble of it and maybe even, right, it shakes the, the walls of your house or whatever it is. But David says that's the voice of the Lord. That's like God's voice. And it thunders and it's powerful and it's full of majesty. Verse 5, he says, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a a young wild ox. I don't know if you know, and it's probably been mentioned because I think the the cedars of Lebanon are in a lot of the other Psalms, but they're not small trees. Like they're actually quite big. And and even if you just Google the cedars of Lebanon, there's still cedars over there that grow. And and they're like, they're massive. They are big trees. And I love how nonchalant, oh yeah, by the way, God's voice just snaps like twigs. They just, they just break when the voice of the Lord thunders. He just, he cracks all the cedars of, of Lebanon. And then he mentions Lebanon and uh, Syrian. These are actually mountain ranges. So again, just use your imagination that the, the storm is now moving from the Mediterranean Sea and it's now coming over these mountain ranges called Lebanon and Syrian. And it's amazing because a lot of um, false religions and other ancient cultures viewed that, that mountain range, the mountain range of Lebanon and Syria, as where their gods lived. That's where our gods are. And then you have a thunderstorm that is just snapping all of these big Lebanon cedars. And when he says that he makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox, it's this idea of all the trees on these mountains are swaying so violently that it kind of looks like an animal skipping along the, 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 the mountain range. Like big trees don't do that. Right? And yet the voice of the Lord is bending and breaking these trees and it's making the mountains look like they're, they're skipping uh, along like animals. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. Most likely talking about lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh and the wilderness of Kadesh is, is off that mountain range. And so it's like the storm moves over the mountains and then it comes down the mountains into this wilderness area, and there's uh, lightning flashing forth and thunder. Verse 9, David says, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. Now, when I first read this, I went, it seems kind of odd that David's talking about thunder and lightning and trees snapping, and then God makes the deer give birth. I'm like, that seems out of place, (laughs) right? We know that God's sovereign over everything, but it's actually interesting. When you read, there's some ancient texts that are are not the Bible. Um, Pliny the the Younger is a a historian from that day, and there was actually a lot of um, Arabic authors that if you read what they say, they'll, they'll actually mention thunderstorms scaring flocks so much that the females would give birth prematurely. That the thunder and the lightning would be so violent that these animals would be so scared that they would give birth. That's what he's saying. The voice of the Lord, it's not this like, oh, Bambi, and he gave birth. The voice of the Lord is, boom, and a deer goes, ah, and it gives birth. 
That's what he's saying. The voice of the Lord is so powerful. Like in the readings, the, the shepherds would bring all of their flocks together during a storm so that they wouldn't be off on their own and, and it would scare the baby out of them. They would bring them all together. This is what's happened. That's the voice of the Lord. It strips the forest bare. The picture of, of the wind being so strong that all of the leaves are removed from the trees. And what's the response of seeming, right, a, a very scary situation and power and majesty on display as everyone in the temple of God cries glory. Verse 10, it says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Um, that that. Beginning of verse 10, the Lord sits enthroned. It can actually be translated in past tense. The Lord sat enthroned over the flood. And so if you think of the greatest worldwide catastrophe in the history of mankind, the great flood that wiped out everything, David says, yeah, God in his majesty, he sat enthroned over that. In charge, preeminent, in control, and that he sits enthroned as king forever. Right? God is my homeboy? I think not. Um, the first place that we went on our sabbatical was to a cabin in Montana um, near Lewistown, if any of you know Montana. But it was up in, in the woods on the side of a, a mountain. And there was no cell phone service and no Wi-Fi, and it was just glorious. And we're in this cabin, and it's one of those places, and many of you have gone out hunting into, like, the wilderness or whatever, where you just kind of stop and you can't hear anything. There's no cars. There's no traffic. There's no sirens. It's just nature. So we, we began our sabbatical there, and it was really great. And one of the, one of the days that we were there... Um, it was kind of overcast and drizzling and raining, and so um, our son had a nap, and our girls just had some quiet time inside, and so I made some coffee, and I took my Bible out to the, this porch, and I just kind of sat and watched the rain, and um, for the first part of our sabbatical, I, I was just reading the Psalms as well. I was like, okay, well, you guys are learning about the Psalms. I'm going to read the Psalms, and so I sat there in the wilderness in Montana as a thunderstorm moved in, and not by by any choice of mine, do you want to know what psalm I was on? Psalm 29. Didn't choose it. I just said, this is the next psalm that I'm going to read. And so you, you, there are no accidents, right? It wasn't just like, oh, that's so, what a coincidence. And so I, I kid you not, as I am reading, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. I heard thunder that I have like never heard before, like shaking the windows kind of right above our cabin. And the Lord flashes form, uh, forth flames of fire, and there's lightning, and it was a massive storm. And I sat there, and I went, okay, God, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> and something like that, right, when the, when the psalmist is comparing a massive thunderstorm to the voice of the Lord and how majestic and strong and glorious he is, let me tell you, you feel about this big. I'm like, can I do anything to stop this storm? I'm actually like quite scared. I might go inside. I think I'm going to get hit by lightning. And, and, and the thunder is so loud and you feel 
this big, and I, I think it's actually a good thing that I felt this big just going, man, if this is just even a percent of your voice, God, and your power and your glory, no wonder everyone just says, glory, as the wilderness shakes and the thunder claps and fire shoots forth, what else would you say? Nah, I'm not impressed, God. It was just glory to God. And so this view of, of God as big and powerful and strong and mighty, we should view our God like that. And listen, you and I, in comparison to the power and might of the Lord, we are this big, and it's good that we are. But notice, the, the psalm doesn't end in verse 10, though. This is how David finishes this psalm to the Lord, verse 11. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. And the word may there, sometimes it sounds in our language like, well, maybe, maybe the Lord will give you strength. Maybe he'll give you peace. But actually, in the original language, it's not a question. It's a statement. It's the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. It's a certainty. It's not hypothetical. It's not, well, crossing my fingers, I hope God gives me strength and peace. No, it's a certainty. He will give those things to you. But how? I mean, you think about the God who is like scaring deer into giving birth and snapping huge cedar trees and blowing all the, the, the leaves off and making the mountains quake. How does that God who's so big and so powerful, how does he give little old me, insignificant, how does he give me strength and peace? Let me tell you, a thousand years after David wrote this psalm, a group of angels appeared in the sky, and they were announcing something. And do you know what they said to those shepherds? They said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Announcing, how will this great God of ours bring us strength and peace? It's through the person of Jesus. God in the flesh come to bring us peace. And the same God who is sovereign over the storm, the same God who David writes pen to parchment or, and just says, he's, I, I can't even describe it. He's like a thunderstorm. He's like the greatest storm you've ever seen. The same God that was sovereign over the storm in Montana. Do you know that he stood up in a boat in Mark 4 and in the middle of a massive storm, Jesus, our God, says, peace, be still. And the storm obeys him. And then Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be Afraid in John 14 and John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. So we serve a God who is so big and so majestic and so powerful, and yet in the person of Jesus, he draws near to his people. I mean, to think the God of the universe who breaks 
the cedars with his voice and the one that thunders with might and power, the God who is sovereign over the waters, over the mountains, over the wilderness, comes as a baby, comes to die so that you and I can actually have peace. Um, Even when Jesus died, uh, the world went dark. Darkness covered the land in the middle of the day. And in Matthew 27, 51, it says this, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. That is, that's, that's the power of the death of Jesus. That, that even, even creation responded to his death on the cross, and the earth shook, and the sky went, went black, and Jesus went to the cross to give us insignificant people, so small compared to him, to give us strength and peace. So when we ask the question, um, you know, why? Why should we we worship this God? Why should we ascribe to the Lord, to Yahweh, glory and and strength? This is why Christianity is, is true. Did you know that every other worldview... Every other religion presents a God who is powerful and mighty and unapproachable. Every other religion presents a God who is strong and mighty like Yahweh. But do you know what the difference is? Every other worldview, every other religion says, yes, God, our God, our version of God is mighty and powerful, and you are insignificant, and you need to spend the rest of your life trying really, really hard to do enough so that you can try and please this God who is up there and distant and doesn't really care about you. You have to try and achieve spiritual peace on your own. And you try so hard and you give and you serve and you obey the right things and you don't do this and you do this and every other worldview says, well, maybe, maybe you'll make it. Maybe in the end you'll make it to God. And Christianity is true because it says you can't make it to God. But praise him that he came to you. That he actually drew near to you of all people. And it's solely because of his love and mercy and grace. Do you know what it means to be a Christian, to enter into the kingdom of God? It's raising your hand in humility saying, I can't do it. Like, I suck. I'm a mess. And so then I'm going to trust in Jesus that he is going to do for me what I can't do. That's why Christianity is so different from every other world religion, and I think that's why it's true. That's why we ascribe glory to God, because he's so big, and he's so mighty, and he's so powerful, and yet he drew near to us. So I love Psalm 29, because I think it shows us the bigness and greatness of our God. But it it also shows us the nearness. Now listen, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have a view of God that, well, he's just big, he's just powerful, he's, he's glorious and mighty and awesome, and that's all true. But if your view is, well, well, he's just too powerful and too mighty, he can't come near to me and I can't come near to him. If that's your view of God, then God is going to seem really, really distant to you, really, really uncaring. Now, on the opposite, if God is not big and powerful, and for you, it's like, well, yeah, he's just near. He's my homeboy. We're buddies. We're best friends. And that's all fine and and true, maybe. 
But then you're going to lose the reverence and the awe and the, just the, the glory of God as he shakes the wilderness. A proper view of God's majesty and glory and his love and grace and nearness to you, it will actually lead to proper worship, right? All in the temple crying glory to God. So listen, uh, to leave as, as we close, you can actually know and you can rest in the bigness and the greatness of our God, right? He's, so, he's sovereign over the flood, right? To bring it more close to home, the, the Lord sits enthroned over the wildfires. How, can, how could he not? Look at this God. He sits enthroned over whatever life throws at you. You can actually rest. You can actually go, you know what? I don't have to panic or have anxiety anxiety about all the things in my life. God sits enthroned over them. And you can know and rest in the nearness of God. Listen, lots of times we, when we see the bigness of God and then just the, the junk of life happens, it, we just feel like, yeah, God's up there. He doesn't really care. Listen. God has not forgotten you. God's not distant. He came to bring you peace. God came to give you strength. Yes, he sits enthroned over all the circumstances of your life, and yet he draws near to you to give you strength and to give you peace. That's the God that we ascribe all glory to. So, Father, I'm just so thankful for your word, and I'm thankful for um, this family here, that we can just sit and study your word together and just be blessed by um, you, God. Um, God, forgive us when our views of you maybe, maybe aren't necessarily wrong, but, but just are muted and incomplete. Um, God, you are, you are the one who sits enthroned over the floods, over the fires, over the wilderness, over all creation, over the mountains. You are the one who sits enthroned over all. And yet, because of your great love and mercy and grace, you, you actually stepped off your throne and you came to draw near to us. And our response would be, should be, like, who am I? God, why, why would you do that for someone like me? So God, I pray that our view of you would just be so well-rounded and theologically deep and rooted in Scripture that, that we would know your power and your majesty as you sit enthroned over every aspect of our life, that we would just rest in that. Yep, marriage problems, yep, um, I lost my job. Yes, this happened. Yes, this, but not to diminish any of that, but to just rest going, the Lord still sits enthroned over it. And that we would rest in your nearness to us, that you actually came to draw near to us, that we can actually approach you, God, as our Father. So just do your work in our lives to give us strength and peace, God. Thank you that it's so sure in the end of Psalm 29 that you will give us strength and peace and you have done so and you do so through Jesus. So thank you, Jesus. We worship you.
And so we just pray all of this in your mighty name. Amen.